Oh, hi. Uh, I wasn't sure if I had enough bandwidth for this, but yeah, I just went live. So that means it's hopefully uh, not too bad, hopefully not clipping or anything. But yeah, uh, I am here in Leicester in the Travelodge. And I'm here for uh, Leicester Chinese Church. We're meeting in about an hour and a half. I'll be, uh, I'll need to leave the room in about half an hour. Um, but what I thought I'd do in the next 30 minutes or so is I'll do a run through of uh, the message I'm preaching this morning. So that's the purpose of this live cast, live stream, what do you call it? Yeah, that's the purpose I'm doing this. It's because I really just finished the text this morning and I just want to run through it at least once, at least once. Uh, if only just for the timing uh, and just to get used uh, to it uh, always helps to practice. I'm going to do it live because doing it live forces me to make sure it's done even though no one's watching. <laughs> That's just the case right now. But yeah, so uh, what I'm going to do, I'm going to put you down right here. I'm going to open up my laptop and we're going to look at um, the text I'm going to be preaching from this morning, Psalm 130. Nine, one thirty-nine. So let me show you what I'm looking at. Uh, by the way, my room is a mess. I'm sorting out like my wardrobe for today. So I've got, um, I'm sure you can see, uh, interesting bits, <laughs> interesting bits of clothing to wear for my uh, sermon this morning. Okay, all right. Let's see. Took me a while to get connected to the internet. I'm using the Travelodge uh, Wi-Fi. It's not the greatest, but it works. Yeah. Okay, so this is what I'm looking at. It's a Google Doc. I started working on this at 5 a.m. this morning. I finished at about 8.30, and then I went to have coffee at Tim Hortons, which is really, really good. <laughs> yeah, so hello again. If you just join me, I'm just writing through my sermon for this morning. So hopefully it doesn't take too long, um, and hopefully it's not too boring. Yeah. Okay, all right, so this is Psalm 139, and uh, I called it Everything Everywhere all at the same time. It's uh, after uh, the Michelle Yeoh movie, have you seen it? You know, it's like this multiverse insane movie. It's just really insane. <laughs> I watched it this week, and it really inspired me, inspired me. Uh, at least in terms of the title, to use that as a title for today's sermon. Everything, everywhere, at the same time. It's kind of like to give an impression of what God knows about his own world. He knows everything. He is everywhere. And at the same time, he's always, always um, working in all things for our good. Yeah, so that's the big idea. So, okay, I'm going to stop there. I'm just going to look at my text and I'm just going to read it through. Yeah, so that's the plan. So what time is it? Just want to check the time. It's 9.25 now. So hopefully, hopefully this gets done in under 20 minutes. I hope, I hope so. Yeah, don't want it to be too long, too boring. But yeah, okay, all right. <clears throat> so here it goes. So I'm going back to Malaysia. <laughs> Last time I was here, you know, here in Leicester, I said that I was thinking about it. But it is happening. It's happening. Oh, hi. Hello. By the way, I'm just running through my sermon. That's what I'm doing this morning. I'm just running through the text that I wrote 
like an hour ago. I'm going to be preaching it an hour after this, but I'm just running through it. But yeah, on July 3rd, I'm going back to Malaysia and moving back after 20 years. And the thing is, I haven't told my father. <laughs> I'm telling you guys. I haven't told my father. It's like seven weeks away. I'm going to be moving back home. He doesn't know yet. I'm moving back home with him. My dad's going to see me back in Malaysia pulling all my luggage. And he's going to say, oh, hey, hello. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> You're going to say, wow, you bring a lot of stuff back for holiday. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I know that I need to tell him and I will get to that at some point over the next uh, seven weeks. Um, but sometimes, you know, it's easier to tell a stranger, uh, tell someone you don't know very well, you know, something very secret, something very personal compared to telling someone who is a friend. I'm not sure if you ever felt that way. You know, it's just easier to tell a stranger your intimate details than someone like a friend. I uh, see my f father, he is very active on Facebook. He has 2.9 thousand friends on Facebook. <laughs> it's true. And, you know, telling him, it's like telling 2.9 thousand uncles and aunties in Malaysia. So when I eventually tell my dad, I'm not just telling one person my dad, I'm making a press release and telling 2.9 thousand uncles and aunties back in Malaysia. And so the big idea for today is that you know, God, of all people, God already knows everything about you. And that knowledge, the fact that he knows everything about you, it can get a bit much. I mean, imagine someone who already knows everything about you, you know, your mom, your dad, um, maybe your wife, your kids, and then finding out even more stuff about you. If you're honest, you know, sometimes you want a little space for yourself. You know, this, this bit, that's just for me. You already know so much about me. Uh, that's great. But you know, I want to keep a little bit of myself just for me. You ever feel that way? You know, sometimes I do. And um, so when I say that God knows everything about you, I'm not talking about information but relationship. Two very different things. Knowing a lot of information about someone or knowing someone very, very well and loving them, maybe even loving them even more despite knowing so much about them. And here God wants to have this deeper relationship with you. And that's the idea. And you can react to this knowledge in three ways. You can run away from it. You can praise God for it. Or you can trust God even more because of it. So three things again, you can run away, you can praise God, or you can trust God because of his knowledge of you. So this is 139 Psalm 139 verse 1. O Lord, you've searched me and you know me, you know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. Uh, you search out my path and my lying down, you're acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Now, if nothing else, I want to make this super obvious. God already knows. He already knows everything about you. And the stuff that you think that you're hiding from, he, he knows that as well. But we need to be reminded of this truth sometimes. He knows everything you pray about, God already knows about that. Everything you're worried about, God already knows about that before you tell him. And in fact, 
here in verse 4, uh, when David says, even before a word is on my tongue, and he uses that word, behold. <laughs> He's going, huh? You already know what I'm going to say? You watch those uh, Korean dramas, and there's that cliffhanger at the end of every episode. It goes, dun, dun, dun. And that's, that's how David feels when he's surprised by this knowledge of God that knows him kind of like better than himself. And its meaning, uh, what it's saying is, it will shock you how much God already knows what you're going to say before you say it. You know, God already knows what you're going to say, what you're going to think, what you're going to do before you say, do, and think it. And that will surprise you, I guess. You know, Jesus did a lot of that in the gospel. He would say to the Pharisees, to religious thinkers, religious leaders, he would say, why are you thinking this? Why are you saying this? And you go, whoa, whoa, ha, 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 how did you know Jesus? And he did this again and again and again. But, but just worth reminding ourselves, this was 2,000 years ago. You know, uh, today, things are a little bit different. You know, uh, we tend to be more guarded, more careful with what we reveal, especially online, Instagram. Uh, sometimes uh, we even get careful about what we say in private because that person we're talking to could post it on Instagram. <laughs> you know, never know who's going to listen to you, who's going to record your conversation. And so we are even more guarded than they were 2,000 years ago with what was private and public. Uh, um, you know, I, <laughs> I hesitated to say this, but um, I once printed my address and my phone number on 300 pieces of paper and gave it to all my neighbors. And um, this was at the beginning of COVID, if you remember, you know, everyone had to, had to be in lockdown. And so what I did was I printed out this piece of paper and said, you know, if you need any help, you know, shopping, or anything at all, give me a call. 300 pieces of paper. Uh, I, I got a few, not a lot, a few crank calls. And, you know, even now thinking back to that, you know, um, I know it was a good thing and yet it might not have been the wisest thing, revealing so much of my personal detail. And my point in saying this is that I agree with you. You know, if you feel as if, you know, you need to be careful, you need to not do so much stuff online, reveal too much of yourself. I, I agree with that. But my point in saying this is that we should not do this with God, or even that it's foolish to think that we can hide stuff from God. I can do this. You know, to think that I could actually get away with hiding stuff from God. Because it says here, verse 5, verse 5, you hem me in, behind and before. You hem me in. And hemming is kind of like a sewing metaphor you know, with a needle and a thread and you're sewing through the cloth. And there, there are a couple of these sewing metaphors. Later on, he talks about how God knit him together. So apparently God likes needlework, <laughs> like an auntie, like sewing. Uh, but here, God is hemming us in. And you can imagine this thread running around us. Even right now, imagine this thread running around us. And then God pulls at its thread and this gets closer and closer and tighter and tighter. 
essentially what it's saying is that God will sometimes remind us he is God by revealing to us our own thoughts, our own words, our own actions. And he surprises us by showing that he is not surprised. He is not surprised even though we are. He knows everything more than how we know ourselves. And verse 7 says, you know, where shall I go from your spirit? <laughs> means his reaction to this knowledge of God that covers everything in his life, his thoughts, his actions, is to, verse 7 again, run away, run away. You know, where shall I go? What can I flee from your presence? He's, he's thinking about running away from God's spirit and God's presence. And I guess this really encourages me because it's saying you are going to feel like this sometime. You know, it's natural <laughs> to feel as if, whoa, you know, this is too much. How, how, you know, really, God knows everything about me? I can't handle this. You know, this is a little bit uh, scary <laughs> for someone to have so much information about me, even if it is God. And uh, I've known people who feel this way about you know, church. You know, church is getting too intense or all this God talk having to go for Bible study, having to read the Bible. Sometimes you might feel, whoa, you know, these guys are really, really serious. And if you ever feel that way, I find it encouraging that even David sometimes felt that temptation in his heart to kind of like draw back, kind of like put a little bit of distance between himself and God. And he says here, uh, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I go down to Sheol, you are there. So you go here, you find God. You go there, you find God as well. Yesterday, a friend brought me to this Indian restaurant uh, here in Leicester. It was amazing. Uh, it was in Little India. So every shop was a takeaway, was a jewelry shop, or a shop selling saris, and uh, lots of uh, Indian dessert shops. But we went to this Indian takeaway and I kid you not, we were the only two Chinese faces in the whole takeaway. <laughs> we walked in and every face turned and looked at us. <laughs> um, they were very welcoming, very uh, lovely, very friendly, but it was just kind of weird for us to be there. Uh, but you know, that's how you know this is the good stuff. <laughs> the food was amazing. That's how you know that, you know, like Chinese restaurants, if Chinese people eat there, it must be great, right? So if Indian people in this Indian restaurant, oh, this is, this is the stuff, man. This is the good stuff. And that's how you know. And this is kind of like how David reacts in Psalm 139. He goes into heaven. Imagine him opening the door. He goes to heaven. He goes, oh, wow, God, you're there. Of course, God is in heaven. But then he says he goes into Sheol. Sheol is like the opposite of heaven. It's the underworld. It's almost like a Jewish hell it's where you die and you reside after you die and it says he opens up the door into this place and oh wow god is there as well so i did not expect to see you there it's kind of like bumping into your pastor in sainsbury's what you know you even even you have to do your shopping obviously right but you just don't expect to see this person in this kind of setting and again it's kind of revealing a kind of foolish thinking that we have that we think that we can run away from God. Verse 11, it says, If I say, surely the darkness 
shall cover me, and the light above me be night. You're turning off all the lights, you're completely in the dark. He says, surely I can hide from God. And it's kind of foolishness that says that we can hide in dark places. And by dark places is a metaphor by talking about maybe even shameful places, maybe stupid places to go as a Christian. And you think, if I go to this place, I do this silly thing, you know, God will leave me alone. So he says, verse 11, surely, surely means this is going to work. This is my plan to run away from God. If I go to this dark place, no one else in church is going to think of coming to this place. Not even God, I'll be free from his presence. And verse 12 says, even the darkness is not dark to you. Now, now the fact that, you know, I'm speaking to people in church today, they're coming to church, these guys are expecting to hear about God. Yeah, yeah. They're coming to God. They're not running away from God. And they're expecting to hear something encouraging. They only hear about God's goodness, God's grace, that kind of thing. But even so, even so, now maybe some of us have thought of running away from God. And maybe we even did this in the past. Or maybe even now, some of us are thinking of running away from God in the future. It's just thoughts, but it's a possibility. And I find it really encouraging that here is someone who believes in God, David, who wrote the psalm saying, you know, if you feel that way, I, I felt that way too. In fact, I've done it before. I just wanted to tell you that it doesn't work. It doesn't work. But again, it's natural that this idea of an all-knowing, all-present God can be very intimidating, very scary. And if that's all you know about God, you know, you might feel like running away, even you don't do it. You might think it, or you might feel that you're really, really stuck in the situation that you're in. You know, I come from Malaysia, where most of my friends are not Christians, they're Muslims. And if I talk to them about this kind of God, who knows everything, you know, who, 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 who judges our hearts, he knows our plans before we do it, they would say, Amen. You know, that's their understanding of God as well. So what's the difference? What's the difference between us and my Muslim friends acknowledging that God is God and knows everything? Well, the difference is this. This same David, who feels like running away from God, runs back to God. You know, the same David who feels like hiding from God, he says in verse 14, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Because what it's saying is, there is a change in David's heart. From knowledge to relationship, from knowing something about God to being fully known and fully loved by God. And I think that's the kind of turning point that any Christian will have. Uh, you know, especially if you come from a religious background. It's interesting to think that some Christians become Christians because they've come from just a knowledge from God, but then they've built on this relationship with God. Because you realize it's not just about knowing lots of stuff about God that saves us. In fact, it doesn't. But it's being known by God and being loved by God. It's all Him. He saves us, He knows us, and He chose us before we knew
So that's my first point. <laughs> uh, knowing God knows everything about us might cause us sometimes to run away from Him. That's the first point. But it flows into the second point. How then to be moved from running away from God to running back towards God? And this is my second point. It's on praising God. Praising God, verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. And it's a picture. You know, a picture of you when you're just cells. <laughs> I think the word for it is embryo or fetus. Sorry, I'm not sure what the difference is, but tiny baby before you're even born. Uh, and God, at that point, uh, was knitting you together in your mother's womb. You know, it's like pulling together all the strands of your DNA and forming uh, protein structures. You know, I work in genetics, so <laughs> these are familiar terms, you know, into flesh, into muscle, into sinew. It's kind of like a microscopic art project that God does in the womb because, you know, knitting together. You know, it's what you do with baby socks. We knit socks. God knits babies. And what it's saying is it's stretching God's knowledge all the way back to you before you were you. And it's saying that God loved you into existence. Now hear me out. What I'm not saying, what I'm not saying with this is that God loves you just the way you are. Although there's there's some some truth in that, but this is even more profound. What it's saying is that because God loved you, God made you. Because God loved you, God made you. And he says here, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, verse 14. But there's a second half to that verse because David continues on to say, wonderful are your works. Wonderful is your creation, if you like. And if you've ever looked at God's creation and all his majesty and all his beauty, it's saying that I am part of that beauty, of that majesty, of that creation. Um, uh, I was brought by Elder Andre on a tour of um, Leicester. The last time I was here, he brought me up this hill and he pointed me to the city of Leicester in the distance. And he gave me a history lesson. <laughs> you can tell that Elder Andre really, really loves this city. Because every chance he gets, he tells you about some story, about this building, about this king, about this accomplishment in the city. And he's really, really proud of it. And at that point of time, it was kind of cold. And if you remember, I was wearing this Chinese New Year costume. It was very thin material. I was standing in the cold hearing... <laughs> hearing this story about how Leicester is this great city. But it shows that Andre sees this city as something that is great. He's so proud of it. He really, really loves it. And that's how God looks at you, the way that Andre looks at Leicester. <laughs> you know, God looks at you as his creation, as something that is wonderful. The way that you look at cities, at nature, at the universe, you know, that's how God looks at you. you know, the same wonderful creation, that's wonder that God implants into your existence. Verse 14, I am wonderfully made. Now, if you're honest, none of us are happy with everything that we see in the mirror. And if you're honest as well, none of us is completely happy with what we see inside 
ourselves inside our hearts. But you know what? That does not change the fact that God made you fearfully and wonderfully according to his plan and design. Doesn't change it. And you know, the topic of this sermon, I didn't come up with it, but whoever came up with it, you know, gave it to me. It's called Identity in Christ, a new identity in Christ. That's just so helpful. It really hits the nail on the head. You know, that means our identity, our image, if you like, you know, how we are, who we are. It's not based on us. It's based outside of us in Christ. So our identity, you can find out our worth. Look at Jesus. You know, see our beauty. We need to look at Jesus because that's what God sees when he looks at us. He sees all the beauty, all the humility, all the glory of his son, Jesus Christ. And he looks at you and me. And therefore, there's something very, very wonderful and beauty beautiful about imperfect people praising God. You know, the way in which we can see this beauty and hear this majesty and see God's glory is not really in a bunch of very perfectly good and beautiful and excellent people coming to praise God. It's actually more in very imperfect, very broken, maybe even sinful in a sense that they've been redeemed people coming together to give glory to God because they see that the worth that they have in themselves is not in themselves. It's not me showing how glorious God is. Actually, me imperfectly reflecting that glory that all comes from Him. Does that, does that make sense? You know, that actually the perfect is seen in the imperfect, beauty is seen in the, the not-so-beautiful. You know, a few of us were talking last night about pastors, kids, and someone made the comment, the most naughty kids in church are all pastors' kids. I'm not sure whether it's true here. <laughs> the naughtiest kids, the ones who always get into trouble, who always cause so much stress to the Sunday school teachers, it's all pastors' children. But sometimes also, when God changes them out of that naughtiness, suddenly it's so glorious, and he, he does this that. So you see now this pastor's kid who is maybe even a pastor themselves, this, 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 this rebellious kid who is now so submissive to God's will. And then you look back at all the silly, naughty things they used to do. Actually, it gives glory to God. It actually displays His grace. It actually makes God look wonderful. Because they are wonderful now, you know, they're, they're praising Him. But also they come from a background when they didn't do that. Now, God knows everything, everything about us. And yes, that can make us feel like running away. But when you actually come to the point to see the way in which God knew us, you know, God knows us not as someone who's just Googling you and digging out information about you or finding embarrassing photos about you, but as a father, as a creator, as our friend. And knowing God that way makes us want to go back to Him again and again. Because he knows us better than we know ourselves. And when we start to see ourselves the way that he sees us, uh, when we start to see that we're loved, that we're really, really loved and beautiful in his eyes, and not our own eyes, you, know, you, you start to see that you don't want to look at anything else the same way. You want to see everything in this world according to God's perspective. Verse 18, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, 
the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. And he talks about this book, this book that God writes all your days before they even happened, as if God already has written the story of your life in this book. And it stretches the knowledge of God into the other direction, into the future. Previously, it was in the past when he made us, but now it's in the future, into days that haven't yet happened. God knows even our tomorrows. And the point is this, each day that God gives us our tomorrows, each day is given for us to know him more and more. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. If I awake, I am still with you. Now, earlier on, God knows all our thoughts. But here David says, I know all of God's thoughts. Not just one thought, but the sum of everything that God is thinking. And that's, that's amazing again, <laughs> to be able to say, I know what God is thinking. But you can say that because you're talking not just about information. It's impossible to know every single thing that God is knowing. But you're talking about relationship. I know this God. I know He wants me to know. I know He's revealing it to me, even right now. Because it says there, I awake and I am still with you. And it's asking the question, how do you know? How do you know that God is with you, with me, even right now? And say you're praying. How do you know that God is hearing your prayer? Well, this is how. He reveals his thoughts to us, and I would add through his word. He reveals his thoughts, his plans, his character to us in his word. It's almost as if God is saying to us right now as you read his word, I am with you. I am with you. You know, yes, we are saying I am fearfully and wonderfully made, but it helps us to realize that God made us. God loves us. Yeah? Is that okay? Yeah, okay, right. Last point, last point. Knowing God helps me to hate my enemies. <laughs> Wait, aren't we supposed to love our enemies? Why are we hating them? You know, didn't Jesus say we're supposed to love our enemies? Uh, well, well, listen to what he says in verse 19. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O God? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them <laughs> with complete hatred. I count my enemies. Now, on the one hand, on the one hand, you need to admit, this does make sense. You know, if God knows us, he will judge us based on what he knows. You know, he knows our hearts, he knows our words, he knows our actions. And he talks about that here. Men of blood, malicious intent. They take your name, they speak your name in vain. So he's talking about evil actions, evil thoughts, evil words. And again, it's based on knowledge that God has of everything we do, say, and think. And we can't fight against it because everything God knows is true. You know, it's evidence against us in his judgment. But then notice the very next verse, verse 23. Because in verse 23, David who says, you know, they have evil actions, evil thoughts, evil words. He says, uh-oh, actually, I have some of that evil inside myself as well. Verse 23, 
Search me, O God, and know my heart. Verse 24, see if there is any grievous way inside of me, any evil inside of me. Dude. And to put it simply, you know what? David feels the pain. <laughs> it's actually painful sometimes to come to God when you want God to know you more, when you want to deepen this relationship. It's not easy. It can even be quite challenging. This process of knowing God deeper and richer is painful. Why? Because it means that we will hurt God and we will continue to sin against Him. We are unholy. And when that happens, we need to come back to God again and again and do what? To say sorry. To repent of our sin and ask God to lead us back to His way. Lead me back into ways everlasting. That's how verse 24 um, ends. You know, to ways everlasting. Lead me back, God. Turn me away. And you guys know this. You know, sometimes it's easier to pour out your soul to a stranger uh, maybe even someone like me, I'm a guest speaker, you don't know me very well, so it's easier to tell me all your problems than say to share them with someone who has been with you through those problems all those years. Because you know, you know, why is it easier to do that? Because you know when you share it with someone you know, either you're going to hurt them or they're going to hurt you. Isn't that true? And if there's one application of what we're looking at here, if we're trying to apply it to long-term relationships or friendships, you know, whether it's coming to church or staying in a job or staying in a marriage or you know, loving your, your parents, you know, if there's one application for us, is this. You can't run away from this pain. It is always going to be painful because someone has to say sorry at the end of the day. And if you have to do that with one another, the point is this, why not start with God? You know, it's so much easier, it just makes so much sense for you to start this kind of long-term serious commitment with God, and He will help you do this with one another. You know, one of the reasons why uh, this psalm is challenging for us is because none of us is perfect. None of us can do this. But that's why we need to apply this psalm firstly, not on us, but on Jesus. This psalm finds its fulfillment on Jesus. Now, if you just think outside of your skin for a moment and focus on Jesus and who he is, and you start applying, you know, these three reactions, you know, running away from God, praising God, or coming to know God better, you find a very interesting dynamic in terms of applying this psalm to us ourselves. Now, do you realize that Jesus, while he was on earth, he was tempted by the devil? He was tempted to turn away from God, to do things his own way. But Jesus came back again and again to a relationship with God as Father because he wanted to grow in his love for his Father. It actually says in the Bible that he grew in his knowledge of God. <laughs> and it's interesting that even Jesus had to do this. You know, Jesus was known by God, but he always was seeking after his Father. Jesus was always in relationship with God, but he was always deepening this relationship with his Father. That means even he had to turn away from, from, you know, from, from running away from God, but he kept turning back towards God. Secondly, and this might be very obvious, 
but Jesus became man. And Jesus was made into a human being the same way that we were in our mother's womb. Jesus was in his mother's womb. And to imagine Jesus reflecting on this psalm is to see how Jesus himself saw the wonder of his father knowing him in the womb. He says, I'm wonderfully and fearfully made. Now, Jesus was eternal. You know, he was always with God. But there was a point when he became man and he took on flesh. And Jesus looks upon that not as a bad thing. Actually, he sees it as a way of his father caring for him and providing for him, not just at birth, but for all his life. It's amazing to think that even Jesus had to depend on his father for things like food, for things like care, and, and, and just, just, just for help. He even prayed to his father. But finally, finally, Jesus died on the cross for his enemies. <laughs> He doesn't just say, oh, how I, how I hate my enemies because, you know, they do not live according to your way, do not know you. But Jesus, knowing God and knowing us, obeyed God and died for us on the cross. And that's really, really amazing. You know, here in the psalm, David says, I hate them because I know their hearts. You know, I know just how far they are from you. But Jesus, knowing that even better than us, dies for us on the cross. And that's that's incredible, I think. You know, this psalm reminds us that even Jesus was the perfect human being who knew God and how much more us. You know, he makes it possible for us to deepen our relationship with him because he helps us to come to God through him. Uh, by the way, <laughs> I'm kind of, kind of like going off script here because my last line here is Jesus died for on the cross for his enemies. So I need to think of a good way to end this message, but I think... What I want to end on is Jesus, for us to see that it's not about us, even us deepening our relationship, but that Jesus is the one who makes it possible for us to come to know God and come to approach God even now. It's through his death on the cross. So yeah, that really is all I have for now. I'm not sure how long I took. Probably was longer than I expected. It's 10 o'clock now, so probably about half an hour. It needs to be shorter than that. <laughs> it needs more illustration. Um, but... Yeah, for what it's worth, um, that was good practice. Mm. But yeah, this is what's involved, you know, preparing for a sermon, thinking through the points, and for myself, just applying it to myself. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I use certain illustrations from my own life, uh, just to find a consistency, because I also want to hear this message. I want to apply it in my own life as well, and I hope it overflows onto the people who hear it from me as well. So thanks for listening. I'm not sure whether I'll put this as a recording, but if I do, Thank you for watching this. Thanks for those who joined during the live stream, even for a few seconds. I really appreciate that. It really just helps help me be conscious that there are other people who will be listening to this word and helps me to be careful and helps you to be mindful that these are God's words. I'm going to end with a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for your word to us that reminds us of your knowledge of us. Help us to respond in faith, not to run away, but to run towards you. And thank you that we're able to do this because of Jesus. We pray this in his name.